Yes, so uh, last week we, um, we, we, Mom and Amy did a great job of just summing up where we had been and some of the thoughts and some of the themes that maybe we felt the Lord was teaching us together. And then so we paused last week just to make sure that we were hearing one another, that uh, we were just responding and following what we, uh, what we felt God was speaking to us collectively. Um, and saying all of that, there's, there's probably a part of me just wants to, to keep uh, to, to go back a wee bit and touch on a couple of things that that uh, that I spoke about maybe three weeks ago, and and even some of the things that David uh, led us through in Matthew chapter seven, and um, just a week before last. Uh, so just really quickly, to, to, whenever I was speaking here a few weeks ago, I, I, I off the back of what Neville shared. Um, couldn't help but think that all of that week, um, what changes do I need to make in order to finish well, in order to make sure I'm not limping, dragging myself over the over the line at the end? What changes do I need to make to finish well? And um, talked about uh, what did I talk about? Comp- compassion was one of them, wasn't it? Contemplation, that's it. And then curiosity. So I think it's, it's this idea of uh, it's this idea of being curious and asking questions that that then David um, played about with for a while as well that I probably want to um, just reflect on for a few moments. Um, what I did share briefly a few weeks back was I've just been so struck over the last couple of years by how often Jesus asked a question. And so we were desperate for Jesus to, to, to give us an answer in black and white, for, for Jesus to offer us a monologue that we can replicate and repeat in our conversation. He, he very rarely seems to do that. We want, we, Jesus, we want Jesus to say something in order that we can back up our point, in order to help us win our argument or whatever the case may be. But so often Jesus quite frustratingly asks a question. And I feel like there's loads of them that we could look at today. There's one of them in particular, as, um, as I mentioned in the WhatsApp group this morning, for those that are on it, I want to look at the question that Jesus asked uh, in Matthew chapter 8, and the same story is told in Mark, in Mark chapter 4. But again, just to, by way of introduction, just to keep on thinking about some of the language that David shared that I found really helpful. Um, asking questions, it requires humility. It requires the willingness to, to uh, for you to be for you to be quiet and listen. It's um, I love what David said about we need questions that explore and not explain, and I think that's what Jesus was doing whenever he was asking questions over and over again to the disciples. When he was asking questions to those that he was engaging with within his community, uh, that he was um, asking questions that would explore what was going on, explore in order to plumb the depths rather than just to give a flat explanation. Jesus asked lots of questions, and I think he was modeling something for us in doing that. Jesus, even as the Son of God, even as a member of the Trinity, still, I think, was asking questions because he did not want to uh, run the risk of assuming he knew what was going on in the hearts and minds of people. He wanted to ask a question in order for them to, I think, for them to reflect, for them to, to, to go a bit deeper, to go a bit further. And Jesus asked those questions um, so that he was never guilty of assuming he knew what was going on in somebody's situation. 
He never assumed what was going on in the hearts and minds of people. And I think that's really important. It's really important for me because I still do it. I find myself even in conversations with people yesterday getting, getting frustrated and, get, and, and pointing out people's faults on the road or people's faults when they're out walking, whatever it is, and, um, and assuming I know what's, what's going on. Uh, Jesus asked loads of questions and he never assumed, he took on that posture of never assuming to know. And again, if you're, if you're, you're like me and sometimes you're desperate to go to the Bible, longing for Jesus to make something incredibly clear or to prove a point or to win an argument, but he gives, or to give us a monologue, he doesn't do that, but he asks questions. And I think his questions probed the soul. His questions got really, really deep if, if, they, would, if they were allowed to, if the people that were at being asked the question if they, would be, if they would allow themselves, these questions would probe the soul and force us to look deeper. Right from the beginning, if we go back right to the start, if we reflect our Bibles right to the beginning, Genesis chapter 3 um, gives us, give us one of the first conversations we see between, uh, between God and humanity. And right from the beginning, the response of men and women and I think if, if you're willing to be honest this morning, uh, I certainly am the response of men and women in, in, uh, in reaction to fear or in reaction to failure um, as these guys had just, Adam and Eve, just experienced such failure, such fear. And the response of them and still even today is to stick your finger in your ears, um, close your eyes and go and hide and pretend that you can hide from all that's going on, pretend you can hide from the truth, this humanity's response to fear and failure. Pretend that you can hide, stick your fingers in your ears and close your eyes and hopefully uh, nobody will find out. Our fears and our failures won't be exposed. But God comes along and he asks a question. He comes along and in the cool of the day he looks and he asks, where are you? And there's part of me thinks that he still, he has been asking that question ever since. Because we still are, we still uh, employ that same pattern. Go into hiding. Go into a spiral of shame because of our fear and our failures. And God comes along and he asks a question. I think he asked the question in order to call them out of hiding. He asked the question in order to reveal their desperation. They maybe never realized their desperate need of him like they had in this moment. And so I think, again, the same for us today, that he asks, where are you, in order to call you out of hiding, in order to reveal your desperation. And so let me read these few verses. Uh, um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story, but just in case you're not, let's, um, let's look. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, um, to the end of the chapter. That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us, go to, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were, other, there were also other boats with him, and a furious squall came up, and the waves, um, the storm that came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Uh, and Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we, if we drown? 
he got up and he rebuked the wind and waves. He rebuked the wind, sorry, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. But it's that question that Jesus asks that I want us to, to, to think about. Um, why are you so afraid? And I, in some ways, can't relate to this story. So uh, we're looking at this today because yesterday, a um, good friend of ours, um, we, we were at a uh, stag do yesterday and went down to, the, went down to Port Rush Harbour. And, uh, and I can't relate to this story because I wasn't even in the boat. I was too afraid to get on the boat, never mind fearful of what would happen in the, if the waves and the wind got choppy. I can't fully relate to this story because my fear wouldn't even allow me to get on the boat. I uh, thought I was going to be brave enough, but then Neville told me a story of his experience on the same sort of boat doing the same sort of thing, and it put me off completely. Um, so just to, just to balance it out, like David was highlighting how wonderful Neville is at asking really good questions, but I blame Neville for, uh, for exposing those fears that were so deep in me about going out onto the boat again. Um, I do jest, but, um, but I do feel like I can relate to the question that Jesus asks. And, um, and whenever I dropped, I was driving yesterday, and uh, whenever I dropped the boys off to get on the boat, I uh, parked the minibus and went and went for a walk. And I found myself just considering this story. And, uh, and then I went to it, went and went to, looked at it in Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 8. And I felt like I just sat with this question for, for an hour. I went and got a coffee and just sat with this question. Um, why are you so afraid? And I feel like I can relate to that. Because, and I think that what Jesus, Jesus is asking this question, I don't believe in order to shame or rebuke or scold the disciples. I believe he's asking the question in order to probe deeper into our souls, into my soul, into my psyche. He's asking the question in order to probe a bit deeper. Why are you afraid? And for me, the question, as I go back and reflect on the story here, it, it does seem a wee bit, the, the question does seem a bit strange because there's this there is this uh, storm that is tearing the boat apart. The water is the water is coming onto the the deck. They're about to sink. They're about to become overwhelmed with this storm. It was nearly swamped. The waves breaking over the boat. And Jesus asks, "Why am I afraid? Are you serious, Jesus? How can you ask that question? Why am I afraid? Can you not see what's going on? Can you not?" see what we are experiencing and i continued to sit with this question i didn't reflect on it in terms of being on the boat but just those moments of fear that can sometimes overwhelm in the midst of uncertainty in the midst of days of confusion and i want to know what next what's next for the church this church and the church in general what's next for for me and my family all of those sort of questions that in a, there's times that can feel like it's the water is coming in around your ankles. And uh, what do you mean, why am I so afraid? And I feel like it's a question that is causing us 
to probe deeper. I feel like it's a question, and that's what I sat with in the coffee shop in Port, Port Rush Main Street yesterday, was realizing the importance of naming our fears. Not only of naming them, but actually then tracing them back to where they came from. And so I, like I'm not, I'm not qualified to take this much further, but I know for me, it was important for me to sit, uh, to sit and to name my fears. Because sometimes we can completely, we can get caught up in, in the church world of wanting to ignore our fears or wanting to set them aside because we don't, we aren't fearful people. We don't carry fears. Fear is not of God and all of that. And I know that. But sometimes we can be so, become so dismissive of, uh, of what is causing us to be afraid that when we ignore it often enough, it will eventually come back. And sometimes it'll come back stronger. Sometimes it'll come back sharper. And so again, like some of it's personal, but I just wanted to name some of those fears yesterday rather than ignoring them, rather than finding a Bible verse to, uh, to sweep over it. I wanted to sit with it in order to name it. I wanted to do what I could to trace it back to where to why I was feeling in this way. I wanted to trace it back to why that was the thing that triggered certain emotions, all of those things that were, that were going on in my head. And so the more I sat with this story, and I don't know if you agree with me, and I don't mind if you don't, but the more I sit with this story, I don't hear Jesus' words here as, a, as an irritating telling off. I don't think he's irritated. I don't think he's, this is an irritated, frustrated telling off of the disciples. I think if you're going to direct his frustration anywhere, it's at the wind and the waves because that's where he turns his attention to first and he rebukes them. And then he turns to his disciples and asks the question, why are you so afraid? I don't believe it is Jesus irritated telling off his disciples. And as I've already said, at the risk of keeping on repeating myself, fear that is ignored or shoved to the side is not defeated. And so you might be sitting with fear this morning and you feel like, you've, like if you repeat a Bible verse over and over again that you're going to defeat it. And ignore the fear, ignore the feelings, ignore the sense of failure. And I just don't think it's healthy and I think it's why the question is really important for us. I feel like it's why it's really important for me. And I know that if it is ignored and that if it is shoved to the side undefeated, it will come back sharper. It will come back maybe out of nowhere and it will pinch you in a way that you maybe never thought or expected or out of the blue. And I just feel like such fears, whether it is physically about getting onto the boat or whether it is just what's going on around you, whether what's, what's going on in your family life, what's going on in your community, whatever it is, fears, such fears should be invited into the light. And I think that's why Jesus asks the question. I think that's what Jesus question does it invites our fears it brings our fears into into the light and um if i was to go back to mark chapter 8 i don't need to read it all again but i would love to read the few verses that just precede jesus calming the storm in matthew chapter 8 which we don't have in mark in mark's account uh so matthew chapter 8 and verse 18 jesus um saw the crowd around him, and he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of 
of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, First let me go and bury, bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And then we have him getting into the boat. The disciples follow him. Jesus fell asleep. The disciples got into this storm. Jesus asked, Why are you so afraid? And as I, as I went back and read those few verses, you're thinking, like, this, this I don't know if what this does to you reading, going back here, but it, that seems to do little to provide the calm that we then see Jesus calming in the, the, the next story of him out in the, in the boat. It feels to me even, even before they get into the boat, Jesus had begun already to poke and to prod at their fears. Fears of having to give everything up. Fears of following Jesus, that there'd be moments that you'd find yourself not even anywhere to lay your head. Moments that it would cause you to lay down everything, that it, meant, it might mean having to be away from your family at, uh, at, their, at their time of loss and their time of need. And even so preceding these verses, it feels like Jesus is already uh, poking. He's already beginning to prod in order to expose where it is that they're fearful what comforts that they are fearful of letting go of, what they're unwilling or fearful of laying down in order to follow Jesus. And I read this quote, I read this quote during, during the week, and it says, and I think it relates to what we're talking about here, perhaps God wants to move us to a deeper peace than we know. Perhaps he wants to bring us to a deeper joy, to know a deeper joy and rest than we have experienced but perhaps we have to move through our insatiable fears of losing control to get there. God wants to move us. Perhaps God wants to move us to a place of deeper peace than we know, deeper joy than we have experienced, but perhaps we have to move through our insatiable fears of losing control to get there. We see these, like what we've shared here in Matthew 8, are the need almost to lose control need to, to lose control of maybe some of your ambitions or plans of following Jesus could mean giving up everything. Following Jesus could mean that you're, you continue to follow him in spite of all the struggles that are going on around you. Following him would mean giving up control when the storms are raging. And, and that's why I think he wants us to bring our fears out into the light. Because he wants us to move to a deeper peace than we've known, a deeper joy than we've ever experienced. But I think we need to move through. That word through is key in that quote. We need to move through our fears um, of losing control in order to get there. See, there's no doubt about it. There can't, we, can't, we can't say that the disciples were not in trouble here. They were. Like, the storm was raging. They were in trouble. I think that every reason to fear. Like, you look at this with just, like, just your own physical fleshly eyes and like they have every reason to fear but I think what they'd missed and what they were still on this journey of ever learning was that Emmanuel was with them they were still still wrestling still coming to terms with who this who this man was it's why they asked the question we have it in in uh, in Mark's account actually we have it in Matthew's account as well who is this man what kind of man does this they're still discovering who, uh, who Jesus is. They hadn't fully got it that he was Emmanuel. 
They hadn't fully come to terms and realized the significance and the importance that it was God with them. And so I think as we, as we are, are encouraging you to ask really important questions that are going to probe deeper, that are going to push you further, I think we need to ask those questions. And where you sit right now with what you're sitting with, we need to ask, do we believe that he is Emmanuel? Do we believe that God is with us? It's incredibly simple, but it's remarkably profound. Do we believe that he is with us? Do we believe that Jesus truly has the authority to meet our fears head on? Do we believe that he is the authority to stand between us and our fears? One our um putting the kids to bed a couple of nights ago and um, one of the younger ones uh, had read our story with said prayers and, uh, and two minutes later came out the fear across, across her face. Uh, you tell us something's wrong. There's a spider in her room. And, um, and so then and, uh, I wasn't convinced because there is... Uh, there's, a, there's stalling techniques that are taking place over the summer that are incredibly creative. And, um, and so I don't think this one had been used yet. So part of me was a little bit skeptical. But I went in and uh, we moved the bed. We flicked out the sheets and the duvet and the pillow. And, um, and there was no sign of it. But you know what? As I, um, a few minutes, so we, we put the big light on. Even though the lamp was on, the big light was on too. Broke my heart having two lights on in the same room. How unnecessary is that? Um, but put the big light on, and then I was in the I was in the room a few minutes later. I was just reflecting on my response to it because sometimes because sometimes my immediate response, more often than not, my immediate response is there is nothing in your room. There is nothing for you to be afraid of. Ignore it. Go to sleep. There's nothing it can do. Close your eyes. Think of something else and you'll drift over to sleep. But I found myself that that's not what I did. And so as I sat, that's probably why I was so struck by it. I was like, that, 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 was not, that was not my normal response. I didn't come in and say, you don't need to be afraid. I didn't dismiss, didn't ignore her fears didn't dismiss that this was, regardless of whether there was a spider in the room or not, regardless of whether there was a stalling technique or not, I found myself just thinking, like, I didn't tell her that it was irrational. Didn't tell her that it was being silly to be scared of a little spider. What I did do was say that we'll put the big light on and I will be in the kitchen just across the way, incredibly close by. And five minutes later, she fell asleep. And um, just reflecting on that, I think that's all actually she needed to know. I know what she would have done if, like, I'd have made her feel shameful about how irrational her fears were. And maybe I'd be overthinking it, not old enough, but telling her she was silly for being scared of a little spider, I don't think that would have helped. What I, did th- what I do think would help, what I'm telling myself anyway. Like I'm up for being questioned, but please don't question me in this because I'm, I'm holding on to this no matter what you say. 
But I, needed, I think what she needed to know that I was really close. That the father, that the father was really near and would be there immediately the minute that she needed me to be there. And so I, I, would, I would like to, I like to think that the fear is best tamed not by an argument, not by exposing irrationality, not by some clever technique, but by a father's voice, by a father's hand, by a father's authority. And I think the same thing that happened for within our home during the week is the same thing for us. Our fears are not, I don't believe, that they're going to be best tamed with an argument. They're going to be best tamed by somebody telling you that's silly, that's stupid, that's irrational. It's going to be best tamed by knowing that the Father is near, by trusting the Father's voice, by trusting the Father's hand, by trusting the Father's authority to stand between you and your fears. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm simply asking of us this week, that maybe, maybe there's other questions that you need to sit with. But for me, that's a question that, I'm, that I have been sitting with and I'm encouraging you to sit with long enough that you can probe deeper Sit with it long enough to bring it into the light. But do it with other people if, if appropriate, if necessary. Uh, so I'm so grateful that as I look to Jesus, he is one that is incredibly familiar with fear. And we sang about the cross this morning. We know, that, we know what the, the type of prayers that Jesus prayed as he, as he was sitting in the garden, as he sweat drops of blood. Father, let this pass. Maybe you're uncomfortable hearing this, but there's something about fear that was beginning to grip even the very heart of Jesus. As he hung on the cross and said, Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even that prayer, that prayer of lament, he was something of fear was beginning, the temptation of fear was beginning to even take hold of Jesus. And he, rather than being defeated by fear, he destroyed it. And, uh, and because he destroyed it, he now has the authority to stand between us and our fears. But he's encouraging us, I believe, to, to bring it to the light. He's encouraging us to be, to, be, um, to be bold enough to do that. And his, I think his heart is that we would simply know that he's with us. We would simply know that he is not far. And his, our fears are going to be tamed. By his, vo- by his voice, by his hand, and by his authority. So, Father, um, thank you for uh, thank you for this time. Um, thank you for these stories. I just, uh, and I almost don't care how many times I've read this story. I just like keep um, just saying thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you have demonstrated, and what you have showed, what you've what you've shown, what you've modelled. And God, I just pray that you'd help us to be incredibly courageous. Uh, you'd help us to be, um, God, just re- resilient enough and bold enough, God, to be able to sit with some questions long enough in order to experience wholeness, God, in order to, in order to see you and to experience you and to know you. And so, God, thank you for each one in this room today. I pray that um, as we go about the rest of our day, we would know um, the presence of the Lord. pray that you would help us um, just as we, uh, as we go about our week, 
We know you're with us. God, for those that are watching, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, pray just um, they'll be refreshed, uh, they'll be renewed, God. Pray that they will experience joy today, wherever they find themselves. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. And as, uh, as we go to um, as we go to Fran and Jim's house now, pray you would uh, give us a good time. Pray that the weather would stay dry and uh, we bless our fellowship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thanks everyone. Have a good day.